Our Old Testament reading this morning is from the book of the prophet Isaiah in the 35th, gosh, I've got to take my glasses off to read, the 35th chapter beginning at verse, never mind, I'll put my glasses back on and read it again, from 1 Samuel, right? uh, chapter 2, verses Three verses 18 through 21. Gosh, I had a tough time with my word processor. Uh, this is um, a, a description of the family of Samuel. Uh, he is a young man who has been called to serve God from a very young age. And he, his parents recognized the call that was placed upon him and relinquished him into the care of the Levites so that they might raise him as one who was going to serve as a priest for the Most High God. And every once in a while, they would come once a year to pay a visit to their son. It's sort of like boarding school. And they would always come with gifts and they would send care packages that his mom had crafted for him. So I invite you to listen for a word from the Lord as we hear. But Samuel ministered before the Lord even as a child wearing a linen ephod. Moreover, his mother used to make him a little robe and bring it to him year by year when she came up with her husband to offer the yearly sacrifice. And Eli would bless Elkanah and his wife that's the chief priest giving blessing to Samuel's mother and father. And say, the Lord give you descendants from this woman for the loan that she was, that, that was given to the Lord. That loan being their son Samuel. Then they would go to their own home. And the Lord visited Hannah so that she conceived and bore three sons and two daughters. Meanwhile, the child Samuel grew before the Lord. Here ends this reading from God's holy word. Our New Testament reading this morning is from the gospel according to John. Yes, it is. In the 14th chapter, beginning at verse 15 and continuing through verse 21. Again, I invite you to listen for a word from the Lord as it is there written. If you love me, says Jesus, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. This is the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him because he abides with you, and he will be in you. I will not leave you orphaned. I am coming to you. In a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. They who have my commandments and keep them are those who love me, and those who love me will be loved by my Father and I will love them and reveal myself to them. Here ends this reading from God's holy word. 
Two weeks from today, we will gather here once again and we will celebrate Pentecost when the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out from heaven, not upon just a single individual, but upon a whole group of them at once. Today, we read a passage from the fourth gospel that foreshadows that miraculous event. Jesus here is approaching the conclusion of his earthly ministry. None of his friends know it, but Jesus is aware. So he huddles with them in this time and gives them a whole bunch of instructions and encouragement. He wants them to be as prepared as possible for his impending departure. He needs them to be ready to carry on the mission they have been a part of under his leadership. So he begins here by reminding them to remember, to remember all the things he has taught them in their years-long journey together. That's what it means when he says to them, keep my commandments. Not only are they to follow the words of God inscribed on those tablets given to Moses, but to live out their interpretation in the manner in which Jesus has shown them, in the way that he has revealed they are to be most faithfully kept. This means loving the Lord with all of one's heart, mind, strength, and spirit, and loving others as God loves us readily, deeply, and even sacrificially. Now, I suspect that Jesus knew pretty well that this was going to be a lot to ask of anyone, whether they had been with him since he called them from their nets in Galilee or whether they were quite new to his ministry or whether they were first encountering his words like we are long after his death. So he adds this promise in his charge to them. I've never asked you to do this on your own and I won't now. I will be going ahead of you into the presence of the Father and I will ask him to send you one who will help you to fulfill these tasks. The one who he is going to request is the very same one who came to Jesus himself at the time of his baptism by John in the Jordan, the one whose descent then was described as being like that of a dove. This is the spirit of truth whom Jesus says the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But he tells the disciples, you know him because he abides with you. He is within me. And he will soon be within you as well, enabling you to understand things that you haven't understood and to do things that you could not do on your own. This morning's reading of the Gospel according to John is taken from the New Revised Standard Version of the Bible. Its translation gives us this word advocate 
to describe this gift that is going to be sent to the disciples by the Father. But it's worth pointing out that the same word was used by numerous different authors in classical literature to describe many different things. So besides advocate, there are a, a range of different meanings which are possible and have been chosen by other editors in other translations of the Bible. These include the literal, which goes something like one who is called to someone's aid or one called to the side of, both in terms of someone who would argue for or petition on behalf of, usually in a judicial setting, a court of law. And then there's the more nuanced and metaphoric terms that have been used. Uh, mediator, intercessor, comforter, helper, encourager, and consoler, among others. After hearing all of these, I think it's difficult to settle on a, a single word that encompasses them all. Perhaps the, one of the closest that we're familiar with is Ima in the native language of Jesus, uh, mother in our own tongue. Yes, I, I don't think mom is a bad metaphor to use here. Jesus himself bemoaned the fact that the people of Jerusalem refused to allow him to gather them to himself like a mother hen who protects her offspring beneath the shelter of her wings. And Jesus says that he will not leave his followers orphaned, that in effect he will be sending them another parent figure. The one whom Jesus promises will be sent will be, as he has been, one who has their best interests in mind and who will work tirelessly on their behalf. In addition to helping us learn the rules of life, moms are often their children's greatest advocates, going to bat for their kids in all sorts of circumstances and throughout the many seasons of their lives, even after the children are grown and have long since left the nest, Mothers continue to be champions for their kids. This is a forever bond, lasting as long as the mom has breath in her lung. They can be, at various times and in various circumstances for us, mediators, intercessors, comforters, helpers, encouragers, and consolers. Thanks, moms. This one is going to, the one who is going to be sent, is going to remind the followers of Jesus of many things, all of them related to living a life that is in accord with the will of the Father in heaven. And one of the foremost duties of mothers is to remind their children of how to behave. Instructions like tie your shoelaces, Wash your hands, stay away from the road, and many, many more seem at the time, perhaps, like inconvenient intrusions on our indomitable spirit of free will. But they are actually just the voice of wisdom sharing with us tips for how to make things go well with us. 
We are prone to forget such things, regardless of our biological age. So having a mom who cares for us enough to want what's best for us and is willing to continue to speak the truth in love to us, that is a very great gift indeed. And the gift that we can choose to give back, the gift that shows the depth of our appreciation and our love, that is the gift of, uh-huh. It's the gift of obedience, of not just listening to the words that flow from the maternal lips, but of following their wise and, yes, loving instruction. One day last week, a friend of our youngest was over at our house, and during the course of her visit, she said, to my wife, Miss Rhonda, what do you want for Mother's Day? I happened to be there to hear this, and so I leaned in to get a clue, and now I'm not gonna divulge any state secrets here, so I'll leave you hanging on just what the response was, but I did make a note of it. But for all you moms or grandmoms or anyone else who's an acting mom, if you get asked this question, what do you want for Mother's Day? I'd suggest this answer for your consideration. Obedience without back talk, argument, or complaint. That's all I want for Mother's Day. This is, after all, pretty much what Jesus desires when he tells his friends, they who have my commandments and keep them are those who love me. The best way to show appreciation for and love toward Jesus is through the following of his instructions. Jesus didn't love the success of his disciples. He loved his disciples in their best moments and even in their worst he loved them so much that he gave himself for them fully. And what does he ask in return? That we give ourselves fully. Around Mother's Day, I often find myself thinking of my mom more than at other times of the year, perhaps. I had a dream the other night that somehow or other, I became an astronaut. And I was in preparation to go on a mission into space. And in this dream, I remember thinking of mom and telling her departed spirit, as sometimes I do, that she wouldn't believe that one day her son was going to walk on the moon. But as I woke, it occurred to me that what I became or what I achieved or what I did in life those are not the truly important things. Oh yes, the world may give them preeminence, but that doesn't mean they have value. And that is, I think, why Jesus is here promising to send his friends one to come alongside and aid them, precisely so that they can be ever more faithful to his teachings, ever more obedient to his word, ever more able to show their devotion and express their love more fully. 
The best part of this promise that he gave to his disciples about this coming helper was that, as it turned out, this pouring out of the Holy Spirit would not be restricted to just that group. Over time, access to the Spirit would be gifted to untold numbers because he knows what we need. With this divine assistance, we can be more faithful, obedient, and sacrificially loving than before. And those are the sorts of people we were made and meant to be. If you want to please your mom this day or any day, then you can give her a card or some flowers or treat her to a nice meal that she didn't have to cook for a change. I'm sure that she would appreciate any or all of those gestures. But what she really wants this day, I think, or any day, is for her children to listen to her words and follow her instructions. If you want to please, if you want to please your Lord this day or any day, as the gospel writer reminds us, remember his words, follow his instructions, equate success with obedience and embrace his commands to love the Lord your God with all your everything and to love your neighbors, yes, all of them, as yourself. It is for this that he has given us the promise of Pentecost and it is for this that we may truly say thanks be to God and amen.